Hello and welcome to this episode of the More Than This podcast. Today, I'm inviting you into my office for a deep dive on authenticity, safety, and kindness. These three things form their own sort of triple goddess, so connected. It is so difficult, almost impossible for us to be our most authentic, emboldened, brave, magical, witchy self if we are not safe. And that authenticity and safety are like branches on the body of kindness. It's a big episode, lots to consider. On Hecate's help desk, I will be answering an email that was sent to me telling me how wrong my personal truth is. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. It's like you're off there doing your thing and you say something, it activates someone else, and all of a sudden they just they have to explain to you how you are so completely and utterly wrong. Oh, and that they they have the solution. So it's all about dealing with unsolicited advice. It's going to be a really great segment. Um, I hope it'll be helpful. So let's begin by exploring the connections between authenticity, safety, and kindness. Okay, if you've got your candle, it's that time for our opening ritual. Let's begin. If you're listening and you don't have a candle, just imagine a candle. It's all good. No stress. All right, so let's just close our eyes, hold the candle, see the candle in our mind's eye, whatever's working. And let's just take the hand and do that counterclockwise motion. Just cleansing the body. Letting out a few deep breaths here. Seeing that spiral out to your whole space. Just cleansing, purifying, banishing, removing. So good to just get into that energy of clearing out what is causing us trouble. Now, let's take the candle and circle us in for this discussion today. Circle in your space in that protective energy. To see everything that doesn't belong in your personal zone outside of it. Now let's bring the candle right to the heart center and just feel that illumination, feel that amplification of your own truth in this safe circle we've created together where your authenticity is honored by me 
and I invite you to honor my authenticity as well. In the spirit of kindness, let's begin. Okay, so we are so much more than any kind of like insecurities, any feelings of not being safe that we have. And for our invoca invocation for this episode, I have chosen uh, the first part of the Sacred Seven Ritual from my book, Entering Hecate's Garden. This book invokes the energy of Hecate, Medea, and Circe, or Carque, if you prefer, um, into our awareness so that we can learn from them. They know a lot about authenticity and how it relates to personal safety, and they really know what it's like when people are unkind to them. And in their mythology, they've demonstrated exceptional kindness, which is often overlooked in their stories. So if you want to just close your eyes while I read this invocation. Hecate, mother of the moon. Circe, daughter of the moon. Medea, daughter of the moon, you are the triple goddesses reflected in the three phases of the moon. I stand in your fullness, seeking the sacred wholeness you exude, and that which lives within me, drawing down the brilliant light of your illumination, attuning me to my powers, which by right are mine alone. I welcome in Hecate, that great goddess, Circe and Medea, sometimes in the mythology referred to as her daughters, but certainly her spiritual daughters. I chose this invocation for this episode because standing in our authentic truth, whatever that is for us. And if you're listening to this podcast, I would bet, I would bet like my whole apothecary that for you, your personal authenticity is within the same kind of zone as mine. And for me, understanding the mythology of Circe, Medea, and Hecate helps me to be my more authentic self. The interesting thing about Hecate is there's not a lot of mythology that kind of survives about her. Um, you know, we have Hesiod's Theogony that portrays her as, you know, this great goddess of all this, you know, a, a great mother figure who is revered above all other deities. Since there's not a lot of mythology about Hecate, we often like pull little snippets 
from other sources to kind of like create a portrait of Hecate fleshing out from little bits and pieces here. But unlike uh, the story of Circe that's portrayed in the Odyssey by Homer or Medea, who has her very own play by Euripides, there isn't like the book, the story, the play, the poem um, of Hecate. We have the Orphic hymn to Hecate, of course. So we have a lot about Hecate's attributes and we see her within different other stories, right? Like, so we see her in Medea, we see her in the Odyssey, like we see her in these different places. And she's always about the one who is the, the go-between, the space between the force kind of behind the scenes that she's never the one front and center. And ultimately for me, in all of my years of developing a relationship and an understanding of Hecate, very personal, um, I've come to really see her as that place, that force, that grace and mercy and healing and empowerment that is kind of the glue in everything if we choose to pay attention to it. And if that particular thread in that great web of the cosmos is one that we are naturally resonant with. Not for everybody, Hecate, Circe, and Medea, totally understand that. Not my concern if it's not your thing, it's my thing. And I, I'm here to talk about authenticity and safety and kindness. And for me, when I look at the story of Medea, for example, Medea is often vilified as, you know, the one who killed her own children. But if we even look at that play by Euripides, what we see is that she started off being incredibly kind, helping Jason, helping her family, helping others. <clears throat> and then because she increasingly has her sense of safety taken from her by Jason, he keeps taking things from her until she is so dangerously vulnerable. She's not the good kind of vulnerable where you're open to new experiences and strong back soft front she is the like completely everything has been taken from him. her children her husband her life her home he takes everything from her when he is done using and abusing her and then she's had enough and she lashes out this is what happens to many of us when we are completely unsafe we'll lash out we can't be kind anymore because we have had our power taken from us. We've had our authenticity disrespected. It's we've been robbed, violated, mistreated, invalidated until there's nothing left. We have no kindness left to give. And this is where it gets so, so, so tricky because we want to be kind. We want to have the strong back, soft front, and be kind and trust others. 
I'm not getting too much into trust in this episode. I'm going to do a whole future episode on just trust. So we'll put trust over here on the table for another time. Put it on the altar and just let it sit there and know that we're going to get to it. When we look at the Odyssey and Circe in the Odyssey, this is where this whole idea about women who are magical, women who are herbalists, because Circe's power comes from Pharmakeia, the green world, um, women who live on their own, women who are f- first rejected by the power structure, but then find their own power independent of the power structure and how all of that is so incredibly threatening that authenticity threatens the the power structure it makes the power structure feel unsafe when we fully stand in our authentic selves independent of what the powerful would tell us to do it's really people get terrified and so one example from the odyssey is so cersei's been exiled to her beautiful island she's a goddess but also partly mortal and was rejected by her family sounds familiar right We're, we're with this story so far so here she is on her island she has built her own home that nourishes her and out of nowhere these sailors show up crashing on her shores, acting like assholes. And she turns some of them into pigs and then cooks them up and serves them for dinner. This is kind of like, oh, this is gross for starters. But it's like, why would she do that? I'll tell you why she did it. They invaded her island. She was living her authentic self and they showed up, these soldier sailors, and just thought that they could make themselves at home and take over her whole island. She was a sorceress and that was the power that was available to her. That was her authentic power. She started out trying to be kind, but then They threatened her, violated her, and so on. And in Homer's epic, and in the 2,000 years plus that everybody's been reading the Odyssey, Circe is the one in the wrong. Like, what is up with that? They wouldn't have been turned into pigs if they hadn't invaded her sacred space. Should she have just been the nice one and said, Oh, yeah, show up, do whatever you want, sexually violate me, eat my food, do whatever you want. That's great. That's niceness. I call it niceosity. You know, like, yeah, just sure, whatever shit you've got, I'll eat it. Should she have done that? Well, according to this story and the way it's been traditionally interpreted, yeah, that's what she should have done. Her being her authentic self and being kind to herself before she bowed down to these men, that that act of her ensuring her personal safety was defiled. 
it's more important in this story and in the whole history since that for those of us, especially women, but others too, I'm certainly never going to exclude anyone who identifies with this mythology, like I'm not about excluding people. But in this story, it is about the woman exiled who found her own life and then men showing up, invading. And then when she won't put up with her bullshit, she's vilified because her personal safety, apparently, according to the story, was worth far less than a bunch of men. Because the men, you know, like we, these guys should always be adored. We should always be nice to them, all of this. And like, if our personal safety is violated and we feel insecure and threatened, that's fine. That's how we should feel. Because as long as we make the powerful ones, as long as we make them feel safe, it's all good. It's really, really difficult in this world we live in to navigate this because it's still true right people are still threatened all the time by us living our authentic selves and they're threatened we feel threatened by their reaction to us and that's why i think authenticity and safety like i think there's like a 1.0 perfect positive correlation between the two because it's really difficult for us to live our authentic selves in rooms where we aren't safe and if we aren't safe whether it's because of our living arrangements our family our partner someone is making us feel unsafe i'm going to tell you something the problem is not us it's them it's us intuiting on some level that this is not a safe space for us to be in and it's so weird that we call this anxiety a lot of times today and we think we're the ones with the problem and i'm going to tell you we are not the ones with the problem if you are out in the world today, the world is not safe. The world is in chaos. We're living through a pandemic, all kinds of upheaval everywhere. It's not safe. We have to do our best to navigate it in the spirit of kindness, first being kind to ourselves and honoring our own authenticity. Sometimes that means staying home. Sometimes that means being really careful of how we present ourselves in the world so other people don't get to fuck with our authenticity. But the world is not safe. And many of us grew up in invalidating home environments where, you know, our parents didn't value us, what was sacred and true to us was denigrated. You know, even the education system totally based on like science, technology, engineering, and math these days where arts and literature are pushed to the side. And if you're like me, and you probably are since we're here together in this space, those things don't speak truth to me. 
So how are you going to feel safe? And then they're going to tell you that you are the problem. You have anxiety. And it's like, well, of course you have anxiety. If you're in these rooms, in these spaces, navigating these times in which we live where nothing is safe, like it would be ludicrous to feel safe. That would be the real psychopathology. That being said, of course, you know, we need to do our things to manage our feelings of not being safe. And I'm not criticizing if you have like a, a diagnosable clinical condition associated with anxiety. I'm just saying, consider that you are not the problem. You are the wise one who knows it's not safe. And when it comes to our authenticity and choosing where it's safe to express it, you know, that's a really personal question. Social media is often not at all safe for this because people can be really super hateful because they're just like sitting on their couch with their phone and they feel safe saying things that they'd never say to your face. And I think this is the real problem with social media is that humans, we evolved for this type of close association where we see each other face to face, or at least hear each other's voice or so on. Like we have some kind of connection. Social media just like removes all of that. You know, like just someone on Twitter, I deleted my Twitter account today and I'm, I'm uh, in process of getting rid of more social media. It doesn't nourish me. And before I kind of started the keeping your keys work, I was never on social media. So it's like, why am I now on social media? I just, it's not authentic to me. If it's authentic to you, and if that's, you know, for you, then that's for you. I'm talking about me. Huge part of us being authentic is not focusing on other people. And I think this is really gets into like this kind of, oh, you're safe at home. And so you can just trash somebody else because they're anonymous and they mean nothing to you. And so you feel safe attacking them. This is what I think some people are up to on social these days. And I think it's really easy for us who are super empathic and are inherently kind and want others to be happy and content to to really potentially be enchanted by this kind of negativity i see it all the time i was watching this video this weekend from an author i admire who was delineating between authors and teachers doing the real work and people who seem to be into this kind of spirituality, witchcraft business, just to be famous. And they gave me a shout out. So I was like, I watched the video, it was a really good video. And, um, and then I was like, I love everything that you're saying in this video. And I got to add something here. You know me, I'm the witch in the room. Excuse me, sir. I have things to say, questions to ask. Um, 
my my question was why are we talking about the people who just want to be famous if we're agreed that we are all here to do the real work just like i write in the keeping her keys book you know r-e-a-l that's what i call my work the real work we're working on our interior selves we're building better relationships and we're using all that's available to us to do so but that's how we find authenticity like why are we even talking about these people they're not here they don't matter that's my question but then i was like oh but think about this think about this answer the question yourself so I was like, okay, I can answer this question myself. And it's like this, part of us figuring out what our own authenticity is and where we're safe, what feels safe for us is this need to determine what group we belong to in order to help us solidify our identity. So if we say, I'm not one of those people that just wants to be famous, I'm here to do the real work. So you can see that puts up a big distinction. I'm not one of those people who throw shade on social media. See, then who are you? I'm really inviting you to be more like Circe and develop your own identity, your own practice, your own religion, if that's your thing as though you were on her island, have your own island. This is a metaphor I use um, for myself and my sons. It's like, this is our island. Only things that are authentic and safe and kind to the three of us. And sometimes they're a little bit different. You know, I have someone who loves horror in the house, someone who's into rap in the house. So they can be a little bit different. Uh, what gives us comfort and joy and authenticity, but we can hold space for all of those things. I mean, and my son certainly do, for me, hold space for the things that are authentic for me that aren't their thing. And so the overall energy of our home is one of authenticity, safety, and kindness. So let's talk a little bit more about kindness. I'm going to read what I a little bit about what I said about being kind in the Keeping Her Keys book. Being kind is so important in this world that we live in. By choosing to be kind to ourselves and others, we honor ourselves and Hecate. Hecate is not your thing. Just insert whatever greater force works for you, where I said Hecate. Moreover, we collectively create an energy current of kindness that is vital to overthrow the forces that seek to disempower the vulnerable in society. This is what's known as compassionate anger. Being kind is not a state of weakness, but of immense strength. We rely upon our integrity to fortify our kindness into a force of change in this world. I'm going to do a separate, separate episode on integrity because I have lots to say about integrity as well. 
kindness is not niceness and kindness is about being super crystal clear about your safety and getting yourself safe and understanding where you're not safe and not seeing yourself as the problem seeing the environment the person making you not feel safe those are the problems we have to solve the problem we have to navigate things we live in this world what i've kind of selected for a psychological framework to kind of build this around is um, abraham maslow's very famous um, hierarchy of needs and i'll put a pdf of this so if you're in the searchy hub you'll be able to grab a pdf print it off do your own kind of bullet journal exercise you know exploring where you are in this hierarchy and what the needs mean to you so in his model so this model came out in the 1940s maslow you know had lived through world war ii um, as a jewish man like there's a lot there's a lot to kind of understand about him i'll also put a link to more information um just so you can deep dive into this hierarchy in maslow's life if you want so in his model our physiological needs are the most important and so his model is like a staircase so you have to do the things on the first stair before you go to the second stair and so on okay so it's a pyramid but think of it as like a stepped pyramid that got to go to the first step and once things are good at the first step you get to go up to the next step and so on okay so first step for him physiological needs hunger all those kinds of things second step for him was safety third step love and belonging now a lot of times there's a criticism saying that belongingness actually is our most uh primal need because without other people we can't survive like we can't meet our physiological needs our safety needs and so on um, but there's a lot of discussion around belongingness like can we actually 100 percent thrive survive on our own without other people so that's something just to think about but in his model his original model physiological needs once they are met you get enough food but then you move on to the next one which is personal safety and this of course is about being in an environment where there aren't huge threats coming at you all the time threats to your personal well-being and so on I think it's really difficult for everyone living here today to have our safety needs met. And I do a lot of intentional work. Like I said, my, my home and property is my island. We are safe here. I do a lot of intentional work around just saying I am safe. I will walk through the house when I'm feeling really activated, something has happened that's really threatening, I'll walk through the house um, doing like the Kernips ritual, which is in the Entering Hecate's Garden book, you know, asperging the house with Juniper and saying, I am safe, we are safe, all things on this property are safe. 
nothing can harm us. You know, I banish all that blocks and binds. We are protected from all harm. We have all that we need to be healthy and whole. Safety is everything. And I think what happens, and I've been through bouts of this in my life, that when my personal safety needs aren't met, I try to like climb up Maslow's staircase to like love, um, to self-esteem, and then even to self-actualization, which is basically like being our most authentic, manifesting, super magical self, living in our power. We are connected to the goddess. You know, we are one with the universe. That's self-actualization. And I think when we don't have basic safety and we're like, I'm going to run up the stairs, I'm going to run up the stairs, um, that that's what really causes us to even be more unsafe because we haven't attended to our basic safety needs. You know, it's like meditating when the house is on fire or trying to do witchcraft in an environment where people hate witchcraft. I mean, yeah, of course we can do it because we're like super magical creatures from the goddess. We have all these powers, but it's like, isn't it a hundred percent better if we work on getting ourselves safe first? When we moved to our current home, it was absolutely the first time in my life, my 40 odd years, that I felt safe. I grew up in a home. I didn't feel safe at all. I got married when I was 19 because I didn't feel safe in my home. And then, of course, I married someone who didn't make me feel safe at all because I didn't know what safety was. I didn't know how important safety was. And that's why I wanted to put this episode on safety and authenticity really early in the podcast. Because if you are not safe, I just encourage you to do an inventory. Why are you not safe? I encourage you not to see yourself as the problem, but to see whatever, whoever is making you unsafe, see them as the problem and see it as a problem to be solved. How can you get yourself more safe? Because it's not until you get some personal safety are you going to be able to fully be your authentic self and stand in your power? And of course, this goes back and forth. It's not like a completely dichotomous thing, um, but we really need to begin with safety. Safety unlocks the potential of authenticity. And doing this from the key of kindness Kindness to ourselves, kindness, like Brene Brown says, you know, clear is kind. That is one of my mantras. I say it all the time. Whenever I'm having a difficult conversation with someone, I say, I'm saying this because clear is kind. This is what the problem is, in my opinion, and this is what I would like to have happen. Clear is kind. Niceness is when it's like, well, I'm just going to stay here and, you know, maybe that person who is abusive to me will change or, you know, like, I don't really deserve better. 
Or I'll just be nice. If I'm nice to them and acquiesce, then everything will be okay. No, it will not. You need to make your personal safety a priority and you need to be kind. Um, books on kindness. I'm going to recommend a couple. Here's a book um, by Dr. Jamil Zaki, who uh, is a psychologist, and he heads the Stanford Social Neuroscience Laboratory. He wrote a really interesting book about kindness called Dare to be Kind. And he talks a lot about empathy in this book. And it's so important. I want to read, I'm actually just going to read this quote. I always say that creating positive change in the world starts with just one person, you. That's why it's so important to be the right kind of selfish. It's essential to learn the art of taking care of ourselves so that we can have the energy and the willpower to take care of each other and the world we live in. And sorry, that was from Dare to be Kind, How Extraordinary Compassion Can Transfer Our World. I was talking about Jamil Zaki and his work on empathy. Sorry, I mixed the two quotes up. Empathy's most important role, though, is to inspire kindness, our tendency to help each other. So his book talks a lot about helping other people and how that reduces burnout and so on in ourselves and increases safety in a lot of ways. Kindness is not a luxury. He talks about that. Like it's not a luxury, it's a necessity to be kind to ourselves, to be kind to others, firm boundaries, strong back, soft front. So the two books on kindness, again, sorry about mixing them up. The War for Kindness, Building Empathy in a Fractured World by Jamil Zaki, and Dare to be Kind, How Extraordinary Compassion Can Transform Our World by the fabulous Lizzie Velasquez. Those are my two recommendations for books on kindness. I want to conclude talking about safety by just talking about something that has been like the biggest safety concern of my own through my own life, which is the the safety for my family, right? Especially my children over and above me. And um, my oldest son was the victim of really like thoughtless, impulsive, kind of ADHD inspired violence when he was eight years old, horribly injured. Um, and had to have like emergency surgery that went on for many, many hours after he was the victim of this attack. And for me, telling not his story, because it's his to tell, but telling my story about the journey of being his mother through all of this, it's really important for me to kind of put that on the table you know, here in the beginning episodes of the podcast, because that's that, that violation of his safety really just broke my heart, broke my trust in the world, and made me hyper vigilant about his safety. And it's really a central narrative uh, for my life. 
And so that night that he had that injury, after hours and hours of surgery, I was in the pediatric ICU with him and he was hooked up to all the machines and bandages. You know what it's, I mean, maybe you don't, maybe you've been fortunate enough not to know what it's like, but maybe you can imagine. My heart was broken um, and I was really alone with him and it was the wee hours and I wandered out to the nurse's station, just like in this state of disbelief, shock, adrenaline, just knowing that my whole world had just been flipped upside down. Not to mention like what had happened to him and know, you know what the future held. Like it was just absolutely, I had fallen like into a deep abyss and he had fallen further and I wanted to know how to guide him out. So I wandered out to the nurse's station and it was dark because it was the middle of the night and you know you could hear all the machines and the nurses were I think kind of like in the inner part of the nurse's station so I was like I was all alone in this space and they just had like some night lights on over kind of the counter and on the counter there was a book and it was the book simple abundance a day book of comfort and joy by Sarah Ban Brennick. This was the first time I had heard of her work, really the first time I ever thought about having joy in my life. And it was like that book was a gift from the universe. I remember it, it was sitting on this counter, it was kind of this orangey counter. And there was like one of these like pot lights, those dim pot lights over it. And the book was illuminated, like right under the pot light. It was as, it was one of those numinous moments, you know, where it's like the divine interfered with what was going on and said, you need to leave the room. You need to go walk this way. You need to go to this place, you know, completely not conscious. I'm just stumbling through trying to cope. And so I picked up the bed, took it back to my cot in his room and started to read it and found something more and started to feel like perhaps I was more than what I thought, that I was more capable, that I could be his guide, his champion, whatever the future held. And that book just meant and still means the world to me. So that is Simple Abundance by Sarah Ban Brennick. I've pulled out a quote from that book to end uh, this part of this episode before we move into Hecate's help desk. Here's our benediction in a sense. So Sarah Ban Brennick says, Turn away from this, the world this year and begin to listen. Listen to the whispers of your heart. Look within. Your silent companion has lit lanterns of love to illuminate the path to wholeness. At long last, the journey you were destined to take 
has begun. So I wish you authenticity, safety, and kindness as you embark on this unique journey of yours to your wholeness. Now, let's dive into Hecate's help desk in a separate recording. Part two, coming up.